before she died, she'd take her medicine. She would take the liquid medicine. She didn't like the pills. When she was 94, she had a little bitty glass that she poured her medicine in and take I said, Grandma, do you know what that is? She goes, it's my medicine. I said, huh? That's a shot glass. <laughs> you know better than that. She goes, well, honey, I've had it for years, and I'm not wasting it. <laughs> uh, but my mom told me she had it at her house. Mom did. She goes, we just couldn't throw it away. And I saved it. She's had a pill in there for whatever she was taking. And that's the pill glass around the house. Had more pills than that one. Yeah, so uh, y'all expect me to preach that long? I'm, I'm not. I won't preach that long. But it's good to be at Sinai. I thank you for the water. It's good to be here. I was excited when uh, Tony asked me to come back. I'm just glad to be here. I feel so honored to be here. Uh, how uh, this place is so special to me in my life. Uh, God has blessed me through the years down here. And uh, I love this place. I love the people. And uh, I want to be a help to you. I certainly don't want to be a hindrance. Uh, but I do want to do uh, my little part in helping Sinai. Uh, does anybody have a prayer request? Anything you'd like to say before we um, get into uh, the message? I always have prayer. And I have some special things going on. I wish that I don't think you mentioned but everybody just pray for that. And also for Jeff Grizzle. He's having a real tough time and been in the hospital for some time. So. safe, they just place your hands and say amen. 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 Anybody else? Remember Jerry's mom. Of course, we all have unspoken requests, all of us do, but I want you to remember uh, my family, remember my, uh, my wife, that she's just ready to have that little baby boy. I have totally lost my mind in having a baby at age 40. Gretchen came in, we've been married, what, three months? She came in one day, she goes, I want another baby. I said, I don't. That thing we know, here comes baby. So we, we are excited. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And I appreciate being able to have kids. But, uh, you know, at my age, I'm 40 years old, or will be 40 in June the 8th. And uh, it's a lot harder now. I notice it's harder for me to get up in the mornings. It's hard. I go to bed earlier at the night. And, and my body is not what it was when I was in my 20s. Pray that God gives me strength and gives me the ability to take care of my home and my family. But we are excited and pray that we have a healthy baby, healthy delivery. Uh, look forward to that new addition to our home. Does anybody else have anything real quick? Remember me, my family, and just remember the lost. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for Sinai as well. Pray that God will bless this place, have his hand on it. And uh, I want to say this, and I don't want anybody to get mad at me for what I'm about to say. I had a man tell me one time, he's a preacher, he said, Sinai, he said, uh, he said, this used to be on fire for God, he said, but God put the bottom on it. And I scolded that man, I said, look here, mister. And I got rough with him, I said, God has blessed Sinai, and he's not written Sinai off his map. God is still blessing. I feel God just saying it right now. God is still blessing Sinai Church. And I said, who are you to judge any church or anybody in the community? And he just kind of looked at me, walked off, and thought I was a lunatic. And I said, man, you don't say that about God's people. Those are God's people. And I'm here to tell you, God is blessing this place. You don't feel his touch. If you didn't feel his touch in the scene in the day, why would you just wait? That's all we are to it. God is blessed here, and he will continue to bless this place. There's no telling what God has in store. Sinai Baptist Church. I'm honored to know you and I'm honored to love you. And I don't want to say that. So before we go any further, let's bow for word of prayer. Mitch, will you lead us to the Lord in prayer, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today, Lord. We just ask you this blessed man to stand here today, praying for the message, Lord. We thank you for the many blessings in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Appreciate you. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Matthew 27. I want to bring a thought that God has put on my heart earlier this week. Uh, I thought we'd go a different way, but it seemed like the Holy Spirit was leading me to go this way. would not uh, leave my heart and my mind. And I want to share a thought that uh, is rather unusual. 
to even speak on. And, and so that's a hard thing to speak on. Nothing bad, nothing out of the way, but it is a thought that we uh, uh, don't like to think about. And uh, so the scripture that we read in your hearing, we're entering to the scene of the cross. Jesus is hanging on Calvary at this time, our Lord and Savior. So it's very sacred uh, scriptures we read here. But isn't it amazing how some of the final words of our Savior are recorded uh, here as he uh, was going to Calvary, was on Calvary. And uh, so let's just read the verses in Matthew chapter number 27. We'll read verses 45 and 46. Uh, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. So from about 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock it was dark across the earth. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, notice his words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, this morning I want to preach with the Lord is my helper on one word, why. I want to use that word as the subject of the message today on why. Uh, one uh, devout Christian said we should never question the Lord on what he's doing. But I want to say if the Lord Jesus Christ can ask God the Father while hanging on the cross, why, then why can't we? I mean, that's the Savior of the world asking the question, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? And uh, why is something that we often ask a lot of times. Why do babies be born into homes where mothers and daddies don't take care of them? We ask the deep questions of, of, uh, of, of children that are uh, never even come to fruition of being born uh, uh, out of the womb and they're aborted. Why does God allow that to happen? Why does God allow the atrocities to take place that we see taking place in our world today? Why does God, why does God allow death to come to our homes and to our families? And uh, Why does God allow divorce and hardship come to homes? And why does God, and the list goes on and on. Why? And uh, for just a few minutes, I want to look at that word why here this morning notice the scene is set Jesus is on the cross darkness uh, is on the earth and, and, and the Lord is looking up toward heaven and, and, and notice his state he says he cries with a loud voice and uh, a lot of these uh, artists of, of yesteryear they, they paint good paintings and they're very artistic and they paint Jesus as being a weakling on the cross. But friends, Jesus was no weakling. He was in every faculty, strong all the way up unto the state of death. And it shows us that he was in control of every minute detail of Calvary. He was strong and loud when he cried out, "Is My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you've studied your Bible, you understand that he's quoting Psalms chapter number 22. And I'll flip back to Psalms chapter 22, real easy to find uh, in the very beginning of the book of Psalms. And notice in this Psalm chapter 22 that the writer, uh, he gives the exact same text here. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But then notice uh, the latter part of verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse number 1. He said, why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but that thou hearest not, and in the night season and am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, and they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. And then, so the Lord is hanging on the cross, and he is quoting Psalms chapter number 22. And isn't it amazing that God's only begotten Son is declaring the word that he declared to the psalmist hundreds of years before and he's, he's quoting the, the scriptures here even in the hour of death and he, he quotes it in a loud voice and he says <clears throat> he cries out not to the angels not to the legion of angels that he could have called from glory to rescue him he didn't, uh, he didn't call to the Roman citizens. He didn't call to, for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't call for Elijah, but he called to God the Father. And notice what's taking place. He's crying out to his father in a state of loneliness. And friend, he's being abandoned by his only 
father. You say, that's a strong word. Well, he did. His, his own father turned his back on him in the hour of death. And uh, you're here now, and you may not be going through uh, a time of, uh, or a season of wine, or a time of alone, or a time of <clears throat> abandonment. But I want to say this. If you live long enough, there's going to come a time in your life and uh, that you're going to sit back and you'll say, God, why? Why do I, why am I here? Why did you put me in this situation? We may not have the answer. And I'm not here this morning saying I have the answer to all of life's questions. But I can say this with uh, all assurance this morning. I have been to that place way down in the valley where I've asked God, why? Why have you put me here? Why am I going through this heartache? Why am I facing the, uh, this uh, this hardship? Why do my children hurt like they hurt? Why? I have been there. But I want to say this. Thank God. Thank God. After Calvary, three days later, there was a resurrection day and Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Thank God evermore. And when he came up, all the questions that he had on the cross, friend, were answered when he got up out of the grave. Thank God. I want to say this morning, first of all, we find as he answered why what did Jesus do in the hour of why? First of all, we find he was not just God's son, but he was also the son of man. Notice his deity all through his life, starting there uh, at the birthday of our Savior. As he was born, friend, his body was born in a manger. But in the ages past, way back in eternity, Jesus has always been. His humanity uh, well, there was clothed with flesh, but his deity, he was perfect everywhere uh, from top to bottom. There's not a blemish about him. He was perfect every way. All through his life, he never sinned. He's perfect all the way up into the hour of death. Thank God, let me say this, he's even perfect now. Right now, there's a God-man, Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank God, sitting there making intercession for you and me. I want you to notice this. If Jesus clothed in the humanity that he was and the deity that he was, if he can ask the question why, so will we in life. But what did he do? First of all, he did not rail against the, the ones that hung him there. <clears throat> you know, sometimes our decisions in life are made for us. Uh, we uh, uh, sometimes when things are uh, bad, things happen to good people. We have no control over those situations. You know, uh, you take a, a child that's been abandoned by its mother and father. No child's got no control over that. And uh, in reality, uh, then we have no control over anybody else in life but ourselves. Did you know that? Let me give you a secret. Are you listening this morning? If you are, say Amen. amen. Hear this. Let me give you a secret about life. Life is not fair. It's not. Life is not fair. It does not matter uh, who the, you are. You could be the greatest of the greatest, the lowest of the lows, or you could be somewhere in between. I'm here to tell you, friend, life's not fair. And Jesus never did tell us life would be easy. But he did say this, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'll be with you even unto the end. Oh, thank God for the promise. And listen, one thing Jesus did not do is he didn't rail against God the Father, but he did say, God, why? Why am I, I having to go through this? And he knew because he's got the son. It wasn't a question he didn't know the answer to. I want you to understand this. When someone comes against you, someone hurts you, maybe even physically, maybe with their words or their mouth, friend, I want you to understand, do not well on them. If you do, you let them win and you become a victim to their circumstance. Amen. Notice this also as well, that Jesus, as he cried out, he cried to God the Father. He never railed on God the Father. He never railed on the Roman soldiers. He never railed against Pilate. But as a sheep uh, going under the slaughter there, he was laid there humble and in humility. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I get hurt, I want to rail on some people. Hey, when I was down in my valley, I was mad. I, when I was, I was angry with the people of God that I thought that were my friends that turned their back on me for a situation I had no control over, thank God. I, someone said, I, you ain't been through, man, I've had everything but the 
kitchen sink thrown at me, amen. Someone told me, they said, preacher, you ought to lay down your Bible, quit preaching, never preach again after all you went through. I told that fellow, I said, look here, you try saying that to God and see how far you get, amen. Understand this, friend, when someone hurts you or wrongs you, and it's going to happen, it's coming, it'll come your way. Do not rail out, be in humility around the people of God, amen. There's been many a days that I've walked through Walmart and people shook their head at me and said, oh, he, uh, he's a God's man, but look where he is now. I'm here to tell you, thank God. Thank God evermore. I've been in the valley. I've asked the questions why, but thank God I've been like Job. I've come out on the other side of through the storms of life. I've seen God work and move in my life when no one else was on my side. It seemed like not even my family, not even a, uh, my church people, not even the churches around me, but God delivered me, thank God. I'll tell you this, one time in my short life, I mean, when everything happened, and I, I don't mean to just tell you about everything I went through, and I'm not, but I remember right after everything happened, I didn't have a lick of money, not an ounce. Walked off, I had plenty of cows in the pasture, didn't have anything. I mean, I, everything was drained and gone. In a matter of a week, I cried out to God. I didn't say nothing to nobody. I was within two days of losing the house. I had no idea, no clue. And in two weeks' time or a week's week and a half's time, people heard about it in the community that were real good friends. And friend, though, I'm talking about true friends. They came to my house and they gave me $35,000 in one week to help me get established again. I'm telling you, God helps His people. And in the moment when I was going, God, why? God was doing something in my life I could not understand or recognize at the time. But now that I've come through the hardship and through the heartaches of life and those uh, valleys are behind me now, I'm sure there'll be valleys in the future. But when I've come through that, I see the hand of God and I want to stand and say, thank God, He's helped me. He's been with me every step of the way. Amen. Notice this secondly, uh, that uh, when we ask why, we don't need to quit working for God. Notice this, flip back to the book of Jeremiah. I'll read a verse of scripture in your hearing. Jeremiah chapter number 28. Notice this. He says in verse number, uh, uh, verse, verse number four, he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Here's Israel. They're all the way down in Babylon. I mean, they've left Jerusalem, their hometown, hundreds of miles. They walked through the dark, the cold, the rain, the wet, everything they went through. And now they're being shuffled in as slaves, captives, all the way down in Babylon. They didn't make this choice. They didn't want to be there. But here's what the Lord said. Thus saith the Lord, the host of God of Israel, said unto all that are carried away captives, whom I've caused to be carried away from the Jerusalem, to Babylon. Sometimes our, our reasons of, of going through troubles and our questions of why are ordained by God. Did you know that? Sometimes God lets us go through the fire so that He might take all the draws and the filth out of our life so that we can be better people for God. Notice this in verse number 5. Build your houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take your wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and that you may be increased there and not be diminished. Seek the peace of the city whether I've caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. I tell you this, friend, when we get in our valley and we get in a situation we do not want to be in, first of all, we don't need to rail against God and those around us. And secondly, when we get in that valley and God does not change the circumstance of our life, God told the children of Israel, said, you're going to be carried away for 70 years. He said, when you get there, don't you fight against the Babylonians. He said, you set up camp. You find the peace of, of, of God in your life. You build houses, grow your vineyards, take care of your family. Uh, the second thing we'll do when we have the question why is we do not need to quit working, amen. We may be in a far off land. I tell you this way, in the dark valleys of life, there's still a song in the child of God's heart. There's still peace down in there. There's still a little bit of joy every now and again. It may not be as strong as it has 
say when we get to that question why, uh, when we don't understand, we still look to God in heaven and we look to His Word and His Word sustains us and gives us what we need. Thank God. When you get to that question why, you simply uh, just look for peace and you establish peace in your life. Amen. Someone said, what did you do? How is it, preacher? How did you do it? How did you get through it? A lot of things I tell them say, I don't know how I did other than the grace of God. Other than the grace of God. I wanted peace in my life. I wanted peace for my kids. I wanted my kids to have a home. I'll tell you this, friend, there's more to life than just a ministry. You know where the ministry really is? Is your home. It's just your kids and your family and your wife. That's where your ministry is, is really your home. And if I fail at home, then I fail here in the pulpit. If I fail my kids, listen to me, amen. If I fail my kids and don't teach them about Jesus and about the precepts of this Bible, thank God, then I have failed as a preacher of the gospel. Won't you notice that God's Word will always, always help you when we have questions of why. He may not just come out and Peel the heavens back and say, here's why. No. Sometimes he, he, he just leaves us alone. He doesn't change our circumstance. And for whatever reason, that's up to God. That's his business. Friend, when he doesn't change our circumstance, we just wait, live in peace, keep living life, take one step after another, because you don't know what's around the bend, what's around the next corner of life. I, I never would have dreamed that I'd uh, uh, have a family like I, I've got more now than I've ever had in my life. I've, had, I've got some scars to prove it. You know about it. I'll tell you this, that thank God for the valley. I, want, I, want to go, I don't want to go back to it never again. I don't want to say this, thank God. God has proven himself true ever. We had, he didn't change my circumstance. He didn't change his word. He didn't change who he was. But thank God he has stayed faithful to me ever been the way I felt him day in and day out. But thank God he has not changed. Amen. He's still the same God that he was when he saved me as a 12 year old boy. He's still the same God that helped me that night on the second, uh, second uh, week in August here at Sinai Baptist Church when he helped me to preach. He's still the same God. Thank God evermore. And he changes. It's not that God wants to change. He cannot change. Amen. Hear this, friend. And then you'll notice uh, that uh, in the, uh, the midst of the question why, first of all, we shouldn't rail on people. Secondly, we ought to seek peace. And thirdly, friend, we ought to always just keep planting the seeds of life. <laughs> you know what I'm doing right now? I'm just broadcasting a little seed this morning. You say it ain't much going on here. You just preach. You just live by the message. You know what God's word does when it is broadcasted to people, friend? It finds a lodging place, some good soul that comes forth and brings forth fruit. You know, in that little seed that we plant our garden, we plant our garden the other day. Me and Eli did part of it anyway, and um, we plant those dead shell of corn. We plant jackpot corn. If you want corn, I say so. <laughs> Well, I'll give it to you, all right. And, uh, well, Eli will send it to you. I'll give it to you. We planted that little shell of that seed and put it in the ground. And somehow, I don't understand how God does it. Now, Tony, you're smarter than I am. Maybe you can tell me how it happens. But somehow, we put a dead seed in the ground. There's life in that dead seed. And give it, you know, depending on the weather and how much rain and heat's out there, five, seven, ten days, there'll be a new life strike forth out of the ground. You've seen it every day that you plant a seed. We take a dead seed and it brings forth life. Did you know in that seed there's going to be more kernels of corn come out on that from that one little seed? And then from that one corn, if you save that, if it's not a hybrid seed, you can save that seed and plant it the next year and it multiplies day after day, year after year, and it multiplies. And I'm going to say in God's work, when we come to the questions why, don't quit working for God. Don't quit planting seeds. Don't quit. And uh, someone asked me, they said, 
preacher, what are you doing? I ain't seen you around a whole lot. I said, well, we go to church every Sunday. I, I don't miss a Sunday. Uh, we, uh, we go teach Bible study every Wednesday night and uh, occasionally we'll go preach here and there, run a few revivals here and there. And said, uh, said well, well, what are you doing in your spare time? I, I learned that I like to ride. I started writing. And uh, here's what God does is he multiplies uh, his word. I started writing. Gretchen started posting it on the internet. And uh, for those of you that understand what a uh, uh, understand what this internet terminology is. I started, uh, she started a blog and writing about everything she went through. And I jumped on board and started writing. And I've noticed this, and I'm reaching more people writing on the internet than I ever thought about re uh, reaching in a pulpit. People will read that. We don't even know who they are, from what state. They could be from China. They could be from Africa. And listen, friend, God is multiplying His Word in my life now more than ever before. When people won't hear me preach, I'll sit down and write out a, a thought that I've got in my mind. It's not a sermon. I just write. I just like a chapter in a book. And I start writing, and God multiplies everything that we've done in our life. Won't you understand this, friend? God's Word multiplies uh, not just a little bit, but infin to infinity, God's Word is being multiplied every day in our life. I read this story some years ago, and I was listening to preacher Jerry Vines preach this week. I'm hurrying, I'm going to come to a close. Jerry Vines was up preaching, and he was preaching. A, uh, he, was a, he, he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida at the time. He was Tim Tebow's pastor. We know Tim Tebow, the big football player. And uh, all, the, uh, all the young ladies just ooh and ah over and think he's, I mean, I, whatever, you know. He's got muscles all over him, and so do I. Mine's just not as pronounced, don't I? <laughs> but they, 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 I read a book by Tim Tebow, and I started reading about it, and, and Dr. Jerry Vines was preaching about uh, one of the chapters that he wrote about in his book. But we know that Tim Tebow won the national championship, I believe it was 2008, and Florida Gators did. And, and he's quarterback, and he was a very devout, outspoken Christian. They said that, uh, it says in the book that he put that, that black eyeliner under his eyes, and he'd have a, a verse of scripture written on Philippians 4.13 for about every game that come down the national championship game. And Tebow said he started feeling God lead him to change the verse on his eyeliner. You say, well, that's silly. It's something you can do every day. And uh, so Tebow went and talked to his coach about it. And he said, well, I want to change that. He said, you reckon it make anybody upset? And he said, have at it, son. Just knock yourself out. He's a Christian. And he said, just change it, whatever verse you want to. And he changed it. And he put on his, walked out of the stadium. And he had his blackout in his eyes. And all the cameras were on him. And the whole nation was looking at Tim Tebow that day at the National Championship game. As they placed that stinking Alabama team. And, and there they were. They looked at him and said, John 3.16. And uh, he never thought nothing about it on the sideline. All the cameras were on him. When going to play, uh, all the cameras were on him. And they kept reading John 3.16. They said after the game, uh, after the game, he went out to eat uh, uh, with uh, uh, his coach and with his parents, and they was talking about everything they went through and how the game was. And, and uh, somebody called the team and uh, called the coach and said, "I uh, uh, said, uh, uh, said, do you know what happened that night on that game?" He said, "said no." And he's just real short. He said, "Okay, yeah." And he just hung up and he looked over at Tim. And he said, "Tim," he said, "because you changed the words." Of, uh, of John 3.16 for Philippians uh, 4.13 to John 3.16. He said in that time, the amount of time they watched the game, Google has called and said they Googled John 3.16 over 94 million times in an hour. People read that and they didn't know what it was. And he was spreading the gospel exponentially uh, to uh, infinity, uh, to all the way to forever. And God was making a mark uh, by that man, by Tim T. 
people uh, telling about John 3.16. I'm here to tell you this, friend, when we don't understand why uh, God's doing something in us, He's taking the dross out. He's taking the heartaches out. We don't understand it, but God's doing something in our lives. And listen, we don't understand uh, why we see hardship, why we see heartache. But I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't let the devil win. Thank God you keep marching for the Lord every week because God is multiplying His Word in you. We all get to heaven. Think about it, friend. When we get there, there's the grandstands. There's the glories of heaven. There's the street of gold. There's James, Mark, Luke, and John, the apostles. Well, there's old Peter. There's old Dalton Thomas. There's the old saints of God. There's Elijah and Elisha. All the list goes on and on. When we get to heaven, and some little orphan boy or girl walks up to us, and we see them face to face, and they say, because of you, because of you, because you shared God's word, just one word, just one smile, I'm here today, thank God. Just one message, thank God. Here at Sinai Baptist Church, you have no idea what's really taking place in the realms of eternity. Amen, Amen today. We don't know why things happen. But we do know this, that God is faithful. I'm going to close here. In Psalms 126, uh, you'll notice that the psalmist is writing about uh, going through the hardships of life. And after he came out, they didn't understand why they had to go through it. But they did understand this, that God was faithful. Notice this, what the writer says. He says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. He says, uh, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Notice he says in verse number four, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And there's the picture of the farmer there. Sowing and sorrow. But then they reap in joy. And he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Oh, I had an old deacon come to my house when I was in the lowest of low. I mean, you, I, mean I was low, bad low. I mean, I, I mean, God was way up here, and I, I had been with God every step of the way. Next thing I know, I was flat on my back, brother Mitch. I was, I mean, I couldn't even see the top of the barrel where I was in. I mean, I was way low. An old deacon come to me and stood on my porch, decent Lance. He said, I can't remember where it is in the Bible. He said, but one day you're going to come out of this. He said, it's going to be like what the scripture says. It's going to be like those that dream. It'll be all like a bad dream to you. He said, you'll come out of this. And he said, you'll come out and you'll come laughing and rejoicing about what God has done for you and what he continues to do for you. The other day when I thought God was done with me and God would never use me again here in these mountain churches or anywhere for that matter, and we, Gretchen and I started writing about everything we went to and somebody posted something on what we had written and said, oh, I needed that. You know what that did? That just, <laughs> just said, Lance, they still work to be done. I mean, just something, it's just like somebody put their back on me and said, Son, I'm not done. I'm not done with you. Now you take it now. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. You take two of the most hurt people in Lincoln County, Gretchen and Lance. Gretchen didn't know me, looked at me at, at far off, and I looked at her from far off, and somehow God brought us together. It's because I was built like Tim Tebow, wasn't it, honey? <laughs> and take two of the most hurt people in Lumpkin County and bring us together. One day we were going to the, uh, uh, it was uh, the first day of baseball, and Gretchen had to throw out the first pitch, and I don't know who she was, and Gretchen knew her, and sent her, was it a Facebook message, whatever it was, and said they saw us walking together to the field, and she started crying. She goes, there's two of the most hurt people in Lumpkin County, but yet God brought them together, and they walked out of the valley together. And because uh, this mean old lady here, God had used her to help me and my kids.
my kids needed a mama. You said Gretchen, when she needed a kid, she brought the meanest little old kids you've ever seen in Lumpkin County. You know what she's done in my home? She's brought structure where there was none. She brought a home. And yeah, there's still hard times and we still look up to heaven and say, why? God, I don't, I don't like being in that shape. But I tell you this, God has, I wake up some morning, drive the kids to school and after I walk, see them walk out the, into the schoolhouse, I look up toward heaven laughing saying, God, it's all been a bad dream. <laughs> and when you get to that place, you say, why? Just, it's okay to ask why, don't dwell on it and say, God, what do you need me to do? I'm still here for Whatever you want me to do, I'm here to do it. These times it hurts. These times it's... I mean, we don't know. We don't have the answers. But if Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, can be felt abandoned and alone, don't you think for him as we want him right? Think about it. I'm done. All the apostles left him. The disciples left him. Why that loud man... Peter, the great man that he was that was willing to kill for him, swung at that in the Garden of Gethsemane after Jesus was praying, the soldiers said, he chopped that guy's ear off. He wasn't aiming for his ear. He's aiming for his head. He was trying to knock his head off with that sword. But they all left him in his hour of need. Everybody left him. I felt that way. But I can honestly say on the authority of God's word, God has never left I may walk with a limp like Jacob did the rest of my days, but I intend to keep on walking and doing what God has me to do. Sonny, when you don't have the answers, just keep walking, keep working, keep planting the seed. Just be faithful. That's all that God wants from us. Amen today. I appreciate your attention, and I want to come with a song of some kind of invitation. Like me, let's read the Bibles. Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and um, I was at Vera's this evening, as we said, getting Sarah out of piano practice, and, and um, we were, I was picking around at Vera, I said, Vera, you going to teach tonight? And I just, I'm blank as a sheet, I don't have anything to teach, and I, and I was honest, I was completely honest, and, uh, we got in the Jeep and was backing out of her driveway, and I was looking at noticing some of her flowers that was in her yard. And Vera, if y'all hadn't been to Vera's house in a while, she is a gardener. She can grow anything. She, Amen. She can grow flowers in a garden. And, well, anyways, I was backing out. I was looking at some of the garden, uh, some of the flowers in her garden coming down her driveway. And she had these, I don't even remember what she called them, the, the kind of flowers that they were. But a few weeks ago, they were bloomed out. I said, Vera, what is that blooming there? I've never seen that. And she named it and I've already forgotten. Well, I was back and I was looking for them. And uh, as far as I could tell, they had already died. The, the heads of them had already died. And immediately, as that thought went through my mind, backing out of Vera's driveway, uh, a thought came on my mind and uh, I saw the flowers were dead and said, well, they bloomed in vases. And tonight I want to teach and speak to you tonight on the subject in season. In season. And so we look at Genesis chapter number 1 verse <clears throat> number 14. And God said not man, not Moses not uh, Elijah but God said it. And God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be for lights uh, in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Uh, so we find, first of all, here in this scripture, in the book of beginnings, where uh, God said, 
let there be light in the firmament or in space, uh, in the atmosphere of where the stars and the moon and the planets reside. And, uh, and so we have the picture in our mind, God, uh, God did not create light, God is light, but God said, let there be light. And so those lights and um, the sun and the moon, it gives us seasons in this world today. Right now we're in spring of the year. It's spring season. And my favorite time of the year. I enjoy fall. I enjoy parts of winter. I, I enjoy parts of summer. But I think my favorite time of the year is spring when it's season comes in the bud and everything begins to bloom, begins to grow. And uh, just the other day, Eli and I, we tilled the garden under, we planted the garden, we are part of it anyway, we planted the corn, the beans that's coming up. And going down our driveway, we see the, the, uh, the you know, see, the, see the, the vegetables getting ready to come in, but they're not ready yet. It's not exactly seasoned, Brother John, for them to be having buds and bloom, and certain things are, but what we planted, they're, they're not in season, but they're fixing to be. And uh, isn't that the way it is in life? In every arena in life, we all have seasons we go through. In season. Right now, my life is in a season that I am totally enjoying. I enjoy my home. I enjoy my family. Man, we've got a baby on the way, and I'm excited about what God has done Amazing. for me and done for my home. And, uh, and I was as I, soon as I saw that flower, it's bloomed in season, and now it's gone. Immediately, Mount Zion came to my mind. Where are we at in the season of Mount Zion right now? I see Ruthie back there, the ringleader of the babies. I mean, she's going to be the one that's going to show all the babies how to be, how to do, what to do, and what not to do. Uh, but right now, you know where we're at around Mount Zion? We're, we're at a place where God is literally pouring his blessings out on this church. There's not another church that I know of in three, the three counties around in Lumpkin, White, and Hall County uh, that I know of with as many babies that's been born in it or has been born in it. We're in a season of blessing, a season of uh, of. of I mean of growth. I mean, you know, sometimes churches grow because people come in, but sometimes churches grow because people are born into that church, and generations come, and they die, and then they're, they're born, and, and that's how God does His great work in the church. But the seasons have been set up by God. Day and night's created by God. Uh, the spring, summer, uh, fall, and winter's been created by God. And, uh, and notice... It was created on the fourth day. The fourth day, number four in Scripture, uh, stands for creation. God has created everything that we have, everything we do, uh, by seasons. And, and, you know, right now I'm fixing to be 40 years old. I know that's hard to believe by the way I look. I, I'm 40 years of age. And uh, go ahead and laugh. You laugh at that, okay? Uh, but I, I, say, I say this tonight with reverence. There's things that I used to could do that I can't do now. I don't intend to run five miles like I used to when I was a teenager. I, I've got no sense going out and doing that. And if you can do it, knock yourself out and I applaud you. I want to say uh, in season, used to, when my body was in season, I could do things that I then that I cannot do now. They used to make us when we played football in high school, uh, we used to have to run the entire hundred yard football field so really it was uh, two three hundred yards all the way around from one point all the way around uh, in 60 seconds or less and you talk about making a fella uh, pass out man we used to have to do that uh, not once but usually four times every Monday uh, football practice and I used to do it and I'd laugh at all the big fat fellas behind me couldn't keep up with me and I'd laugh but now today, there's no way I would attempt to do that. But you know the reason I could do that? It was in season. 
I could do that because I was young and youthful. Uh, but right now, in the season of my life is this, and the season of this church is, is that God is pouring His blessings out on this church. It's in season right now. There's seeds that have been planted, and all the world lives by seasons right now. But notice, uh, notice this, what the writer says in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm just going to read the scriptures, give them to you. You can take them and do what you want to with them as you see fit. But the book of Ecclesiastes, a uh, very familiar scripture. What does the writer say about, uh, uh, about seasons? To everything there is a season. Chapter 3, verse number 1, And a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born. Well, we're seeing that around yeah. here. We ought to shout amen to that. Amen. Time to be born and a time to die. Lord, oh, have mercy. Lord, we've seen some die that have been faithful Amen. members here. A time to plant, a time to pluck, and that which is plant, uh, pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep. Boy, I've been there, and I don't like being there. And a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Uh, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace. And a time to refrain from embracing, a time to give and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rent and a time to sow and a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And while we're there, we see all the seasons of life that God allows us to go through or ordained by God. God ordains every season that you and I go through and I want to say this there's a season that I, God has granted me here uh, to teach on Wednesday night but you know one day that season is going to come to a stop there was a time I had a lady uh, just this past week come to me well, she was a member of friendship she said but Lance we sure do miss you church we love you and we love Dalton and the great work that he's doing but she said we miss you and I said wait a minute my season's over there I said my time yes, is Lord. up I had a good run, had a good time, and I said, you back him up, and you love Dalton, but that season of my life is over. I can't go back in, uh, to those days ever again, and if I ever do go back to that place again, it'll never be the same. It'll be um, different people, different situations, but one day my job as a teacher here is going to dry up, and I'll have to move on. And when there'll be another one following my footsteps. One of these days, God forbid, Stephen's going to grow old. And whenever that day comes, and he's going to grow old, and his body's not going to be able to hold out, there'll be another pastor here. And, uh, and I'm not saying uh, that we need another pastor right now. Stephen, preacher Collins, fixing to come. You, if you act like you're even going to give up the church, uh, we're going to hold you at gunpoint and make you stay. Hey, can I get an amen on that? Amen. I want to say this tonight, that there's, there's a season to every, uh, every part of life. I was listening to Dr. Phil Kidd preach the other day, uh, and while I draw house plans <laughs> in my office, I've got my, uh, my, my internet turned to YouTube, listen to preaching all day long. So I listened to it all day long. And Phil was at the, some church, I believe, in Tennessee, and they were honoring the pastor. He'd been there for 44 years. 44 years. And he was saying how God had blessed that man to be there. But he, uh, we give reference to the seasons of life. Right now, the season that we're going through here at Mount Zion is a very, very blessed time. There's babies right. crying on Sunday morning. Thank God for babies. One preacher put Amen. it this way. I'm Hallelujah. tired of hearing babies cry over me. Send them to the cry room. I want to say this today. If he can't preach over a crying baby, he needs to get another occupation. Amen tonight. Amen. There's a season where God is blessing. You wait just before long when our baby's born and all the babies get here at the right time and all of them start crying one right after another. There's going to be chaos around here. But you know it's not chaos. You know what it really is. It is a season of blessing. And we're in, we are in a place where God is blessing us and we need not take it for granted. But then we find the seasons of blessings that we've, we're in now. But understand this, there's also a season of heartache and hardship. Notice this in Psalms chapter number 22 and verse number 2. Notice this, the psalmist says, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. 
and in the night seasons, and am not silent. Not silent. Here the writer, the psalmist, David is, actually this is a prophetic psalm. It is a psalm looking toward Calvary and what Christ would experience in the garden and on the cross of Calvary. And then Psalms, in this trilogy of three psalms, of Psalms 23, it gives the, uh, the picture of Jesus after He resurrects. And then chapter 24, it gives the picture of Jesus as He sits on His throne. Uh, and But I want you to understand this, that even in Christ's life, there is a season, uh, a time in His life during the night seasons when uh, he cried and cried. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried to, and his sweat became great drops of blood. And can, Don't you imagine, listen, if the Savior Jesus Christ had a season of heartache and hardship in his, his life. Don't you think for a minute that we won't, amen? We're going to have seasons of hardship in our life. You know, it's one thing to have a, a season of hardship, but it's another thing to give up in the midst of your hardship. I notice some of you Stay right strong, now brother. look at your lives and how you have come through seasons of hardship. But now here you are today faithfully sitting in God's house, worshiping God, studying God's word. And I tell you, I applaud you. I thank God that you're here, mm -hmm. that God has blessed you like he has. I want to say the season in my life of heartache, yes, thank God it's over. Amen. Amen. Thank God yes. evermore. Hallelujah. I tell you this today, this, uh, that season, I remember thinking in, uh, when that season started, I said, God, I know I'm not exempt to hardship and heartache, but God, let me get through this with dignity. Let me get through this with grace, with your mercy and with your power on me. May all the world look back and say that you did it and not me. Right. Don't you understand Amen. this today? The seasons of hardship and heartache are going to come. In season, they're going to come. Amen. Every now and again, uh, around, the, uh, around the farm, it rains awful hard. It's a season of rain. It may be a season of blessing, but it has a tendency to wash a lot of things away. A lot of work that we've done around the garden, it gets washed away. It's a season of hardship and heartache. Some of you just come through some hard seasons. And I think about Gail and, and Ronnie and how they took care of that sweet saint of God as she made the cross and made it in home. I want to tell you this, it was a season of hardship, but thank God the season's over. Uh, there's sunshine on the horizon. and thank you. It may not feel like it now, but I promise you this, Dale. I promise you this, it, gets, it may not get easier, but it does get better, thank God. And those of you that's lost loved ones, I tell Gretchen this, every now and again she comes in with her heart broke and she misses her husband and misses her son. I say, honey, it's like living with your arm cut off. Uh, life's never going to be the same, but I tell you this: I say, honey, uh, honey, you just gotta learn to live without that arm and keep carrying on. Won't you understand? The seasons of hardship will come. If they came to Jesus, if they came to David, if they came to the saints of old. Don't you think for a minute they won't come to us? No, oh, many days I'd lay in that season of hardship in my life and beg God to get me out of it. And thank God He heard my prayer. It took three years, but He did. And I'll tell you the season that you and I are going through, don't give up when you're in hardship and heartache. And then you'll notice that the seasons, some seasons, uh, they're, they're just obviously harder than others. Some people go through harder things than some other people. Amen. I mean, I look at Gretchen. To me, she's the strongest person I know of this side of heaven other than Jesus. I mean, to go through what she's went through and still smile, still love again. I mean, good night. I mean, I believe I would have, I, I don't know if I'd made that. I'd probably give up. But that season's over, and now we look, and God is blessed, and we've got a, another baby. It's not going to replace Jack's. <laughs> we've got another baby coming. Thank God we've got a home. Got a little ministry around the house and the community, around the church and around the community. We've been able to help people and speak and write and preach every now and again and tell the good news of the gospel. Amen. I tell you, some seasons are harder than others. Some are full of tears. Some are full of heartache. I, I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, you know, those that go through great hardship and low valleys in life, listen to me. 
that go through great hardship and valleys, once they get through that season of life, usually it'll be a long time before they ever go through another hardship or a season of hardship. Boy, let that be true to all of us. But then I noticed that our words have seasons that they need to be spoken. You know, a word fitly spoken. Flip back to right. Proverbs 15. Watch this. Proverbs 15. Let me teach this tonight. Proverbs 15. I believe it's verse 23. Notice the writer. He says a word. I'm, I'm hurrying. 15. Then look at verse number 23. Man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Spoken at the right time. Uh, I was thinking of this this evening as I was in my study and I was going through the scriptures and just referencing one scripture after another and praying over the lesson and over, over what God would have me to say. And as soon as I read that verse, immediately my mind went back to the night Eli got saved and why I got saved. Uh, well, actually, the night before. I'm sorry, the night before. Lacey was sitting about right over here and I was in the back and I was watching. I had my hands to the uh, pew in front of me begging God, please God, let Eli move, let him move, let him move. And I opened my eyes and looked up and here comes Lacey all the way Hallelujah. And, uh, and I watched her, and, and Jack Debbie, this is about shouting around for y'all. Amen. I mean, here, watch, watch this. She anointed of God, the touch of God on her, tears running down her face, come and grabbed my little boy. And he didn't move that night, and then he went, she went to the back, and I don't know what she said to him, and but I know it was a word fitly spoken. It was spoken at the right time, got his attention, got my attention, and then she went to the back, and grabbed the other young ladies up there and told them they whatever she said to them. But I tell you what happened. She said it at the right time, the right way, the right manner, the right place with the anointing of God. Our words are, are meant to be spoken in the right manner in the right season. And did that not happen? Did I, was I not the only one that witnessed that? Amen. I think we need to be careful when we go to people and tell them about a uh, about being saved, come get saved. We gotta be careful. But man, she did it the right way with the anointing of God. I want to say today, when we say our words, let there be seasons of the Spirit of God uh, in our lives where we say the right words at the right time. We preach the right words at the right time. We tell the right words at the right time. We never know the impact of our words of what they will do if we say them at the right time. I think about all the times in my life uh, that God has used me in a, in a great way uh, through the uh, preaching in the pulpit or even just writing. And, uh, you know, here lately as I've been writing, people's been and been uh, telling me or, or saying, uh, uh, texting back or however they do it on Facebook, uh, telling, uh, telling me, said, uh, I needed that. You have no idea where I was at, but I needed what you wrote. It helped me. And I just, I mean, countless number of people uh, just from writing and telling them about what I went through and what Gretchen's went through. The word fitly spoken, it finds a lodging place and gives it, gives uh, uh, what we need in those times Amen. of life. I want to say we ought to be careful with the words we say. If we say it in the wrong attitude, the wrong way, it kills everything. But we say it in the right way. God will bless and God will help. Amen. I'm going to hurry and come to a close. I'll be short tonight. You'll notice that uh, not only do our words have, uh, uh, have, uh, have the goodness of God in them as we speak in the right way and the right way, but I think in seasons of life, I think we need to always be busy in every season. I really do. I, I believe we need to be busy. Uh, I was looking at Kobe the other day, Cub, and Kobe had his little uh, little boy back there. And, uh, you know, there's Charlotte loving all over that little one. I said, uh, Charlotte, we, I told the other day that we was eating supper or eating lunch at homecoming. Charlotte, I was picking at her, and I said, uh, I said, well, you'll straighten up now. Here's Kobe the preacher, and here's his son, and you're going to chase this baby around. You better straighten up, you know, just picking at her. And, and she said, well, she goes, I'll just do the best I can do. Just kind of pick, poke back at me. And 
But uh, Gretchen and I were talking the other day. Now, y'all don't get mad at me what I'm about to say, but if you get mad, just get mad and come tell me. I promise you, if you get mad at me, you come and uh, you want me to forgive you after service, I promise you I'll forgive you, all right? <laughs> promise you I will. Now, Colby's throwing around the idea about moving all the way to Alaska. And I, he said, I said, Colby, you moving up to Alaska soon? He said, well, I got to sell my place. And, and uh, Charlotte said, we don't want him to go just yet. And I said, well, Charlotte, he's got to. She said, we want the Lord to come back first. I said, but Charlotte, there may be a young boy up there, little girl living in a village that needs to hear the gospel, but they've never been to church, never heard of Jesus, sitting in a little old one-room shack, one-room hut, uh, wait, waiting for Colby to get up there. And I said, Colby, when you go and you sign the dotted line and you get ready to go, you let me know. I said, I want to introduce it to the church that we support him as a missionary if he goes and Man. stays. And I said, and if the church don't support you, I said, me and Gretchen will support you whatever night it is. If it's just $25 a month, I promise you we will. And he looked at me. His eyes got about that big. He said, son, I'm going to hold you to it. I want to say this today. That fella's been through rough road seasons of hardship in his life, but now God is bringing him. I feel God just saying it. Amen. I said every church yeah. ought to be supporting the missionary that goes to a foreign country and preaches the gospel to a lost and dying world. I want to say it's high time around Mount Zion. I'm going to help you, Steve. I'm going to help you, church, right now. It's high time we start supporting missions around this church. Can I get an amen on that? I'm not saying going crazy spending thousands and thousands of dollars. You know what $20 does to a missionary? Just $20 yep. a month or just uh, two or three times uh, every two or three months, just $20. Man, it frees them up just to have gas to go from one place to amen. the next to spread the gospel. Amen tonight. Amen. I believe God is blessing I think the season of rejoicing is now. I think we've been through some hardship and heartaches. We ought to rejoice. But in this season, <coughs> while God has blessed us all financially, we need to learn to support the mission work. Hallelujah. I noticed this. Yeah. I come back close. I was reading the other day about a lady uh, by the name of Catherine Von Born. Anybody ever heard that name? Mm -hmm. Catherine Von Born. Twice who she is. She's the wife of the great reformer Martin Luther. <laughs> and uh, she was a, uh, a Catholic nun the majority of her life. And when Martin Luther put his thesis on the, uh, what was the name of the, the church? Wittenberg, Germany. Witt that's it, Wittenberg, Germany. Thank you, Stephen. He put his thesis, denounced basically Catholicism and what, I mean, just stood his own two feet. He's unmarried, never had been married. Catholics didn't believe in getting married. He come, rescued all these nuns out of convents and, and, and just really rescued them out. And here's how they did it. One, two businessmen that were brass and bold went in there to the convent and smuggled the nuns out in a big great big uh, uh, containers that held fish, they said. That's how they smuggled them out, and she was one of them. Well, when they all got out, Martin Luther tried his best to get them all married off so they wouldn't have, if they got married, they couldn't be taken back to the convent. And so here he was, an old man, about 45 years of age, and here she was, a young man in her 20s. He couldn't find nobody to marry, and finally she said, one day he said, she said, well, if Martin Luther asked me to marry him, I'll marry him. Just a young young lady, and he's an old man, never had a wife, never had kids. And here's what she did. She married that old man. They had six kids, raised them, and she was a working lady. Here's what she did. She They took up the old, I guess it was an old convent where they lived at, and the community basically lived with them, and she raised her kids, raised other families, and other people that come in and out of the convent. And here's what she did. She was a wonderful gardener. She was busy working. She took care of that old man, raised his kids. And from what I gather from the, the story, she was not only a gardener, but she raised uh, cattle and pigs and, and, uh, and sowed an orchard uh, to take care of all her family. Didn't have money, but she took care of them. 
Notice Thank what else she did, or what Martin Luther, I read this and found it kind of funny. Martin Luther said that he came up with a nickname for his wife, and he's always picking at her, they said. Uh, and uh, Martin Luther in jest called her My Lord Kate, the mystery, the mistress of the pigsty. Martin Luther loved pork. And she raised pork just for her husband. She was a lady in season all the time. She's looking forward to the seasons of taking care of her family. She raised pigs and cattle and planted an orchard, took care of the community, plus her family. But she worked in season. She didn't work out of season. She worked when it was time to plant a garden, she worked. When it was time to uh, gather up the pigs, she was working. But she was a lady that loved God Loved her family, but she worked in season and God prospered her. Did you know this? A lot of our beliefs right now are come or stem from Martin Luther, the great man that he was. And, uh, you know, I want to say this. Something they did that we've lost contact of is we have forgotten what it is like to live in season. We're always saying, oh, God, do this, God. It may not be season for that. You know, any man wants to walk around and say, oh, God, I want kids, and he's not married. He's praying a, a stupid prayer because, listen, if you've got to have a wife to have kids. And, uh, hey, you know, listen, we need to live in season of the where God plants us at that time. And I'm done right here in closing right here. But you know, in every orchard right now, every apple orchard, there's an apple. Did you know that? But you know what's in every apple? Seeds. A seed. You know what's in those seeds? Another orchard. Planted in season. Knows. Another orchard comes up. Well, I know that's over most of our heads. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it now. In season, in every apple, in every orchard, there's an apple. In every apple, there's an orchard. But you know you've got to do it in season. Right now, we're standing on the brink of another season here at Mount Zion. Here comes the season of vacation Bible school. Kids running everywhere. Mothers trying and dads trying to get their kids another season. Upon us, rush here, rush there. Can I give us some advice? Just live in the season God's got us. Amen. Don't try to live in another season or not. My season of hardship, thank God's over. Hopefully, I don't have to go through it. Another heartache like that ever again. If I do, I hope God takes me home. But I want you to understand this. The season that you and I are in is where God wants us to be. It's where He wants us to be. Right now, it's the season to cut hay. I think Jacob and Anthony's cut down all the grass and the hay. I'm here to Delonica. But you know what? It's in season. Time to do it right now. Live in the season God's planted you in. Okay. And enjoy. I hope that wasn't too burdensome, wasn't too hard on you.